for a person like me to try to step back and say, all right, today's task is to love myself. I just I feel like it's like asking a donkey to do like a really complicated math problem. Like it's it's not it's not going to happen or at least in the case of this, it's not going to happen right away. Uh. Welcome to the Art of Speaking Up, a podcast that empowers professional women to rise. I'm your host, Jessica Guzik, and in this show, I take you undercover into the stories and lessons that I learned, sometimes the hard way, throughout my career. I also talk with working women, leaders, and coaches to show you that no matter what your struggle is and no matter what your career goals are, you already have all the talent that you need to succeed. Welcome to the very last episode of season one. I am super excited to have you listening. Today is a solo episode. It is just me. It's the last episode of the season, but season two will be coming. And I'll tell you a bit more about that at the end. But for right now, I wanted to talk to you a bit about the theme of today's episode, which is all about the inner critic. Almost every career-related topic or challenge that has come up in my career and that comes up on the show, it always seems to map back in some ways to that inner critic. And it's something that's been present in my life and in my career in so many ways for so much time. And I wanted to start by taking you back to the very beginning, the very beginning of my career and my inspiration for the show. And if you listen to episode one, you heard a little bit about this, but I had a really tough time when I first started my career. I had a tough time feeling confident. I had a tough time feeling like I could be myself. I was very shy. It was very hard for me to talk with people in my work environment, especially people who are much more senior than me. It was so hard for me to speak up in meetings. That was kind of the glimmer of inspiration that gave me the idea for the name of the show, The Art of Speaking Up. I really struggled with all of these things. But the thing that's really hard for me to look back on as I reflect on that time in my career, and the thing that makes me feel really sad is when I look at what I was experiencing during that time when my confidence was so low and I just didn't feel good about myself, I thought that the reason I was feeling that way was because I just wasn't up to snuff. I thought that something about me wasn't good enough and was flawed and socially awkward and just not able to handle this environment. And what I didn't realize back then is that none of that was true. The things that were hard for me, sure, they were hard, and I wasn't perfect, and I had so much to learn. But what I failed to recognize was the role that my inner critic was playing in all of that. And what I failed to recognize was just because I was feeling something or thinking something didn't mean it was true. So not only was I dealing with all of the challenges of assimilating into a new workplace, and not just a new workplace, but actually one that was incredibly high-performing and intense. Not only was I dealing with all of the challenges that come with that, but I was also beating myself up and getting down on myself whenever something was hard and not seeing that some of those negative things that I was telling myself actually weren't true. 
I just couldn't see it at the time. I didn't have the self-awareness. I hadn't really done the personal development work to be able to pick up on those things. And so it was really a trek through the mud for me for a while until things started to get better. And slowly, over time, in little steps and little bits, I started to evolve and I started to grow. And a very small amount of confidence over time began to magnify and it began to grow into medium confidence and then larger confidence. And I found myself eventually at a point where so many of the things that were hard for me and that had really scared me in the beginning of my career were no longer that hard for me. And it was very empowering to get to that point. And that feeling <laughs> is so good to me. And it's it's such a satisfying feeling that in a way, I now seek out that feeling by giving that feeling to other women. <laughs> it's like, it's like a kind of like a drug high in a way, but not really, but it just feels really good. And it makes me feel really good to see someone else go through that similar process. And that's kind of what inspired this podcast was I wanted to use everything I had, my voice, my experiences, my resources, my beliefs on the world, my feminism. I wanted to use all of those tools to bring as much empowerment as I possibly could to professional women so that anyone out there who wants to up-level in their career in any way and who is looking for guidance and looking for someone or something that resonates with them, anyone out there had the option to listen to what I had to say and to receive some mentorship and guidance in case they were having troubles finding a mentor that was relatable to them or who really understood them, just the way that I was having troubles when I was younger finding a mentor and finding someone who could really help me out with these things. That's why I created this show. But the interesting thing was that as I started the show and I started to create the podcast and started learning how to do it. There's a lot of steps that go on in the background when it comes to creating a podcast. And I will tell you, I assumed that it would be much more simple, easy, and straightforward than it actually was. And as I was creating this show, in a weird way, it took me back in my present life. It took me back to that early time in my career when I was trekking through the mud. Because it had really been a while for me it had been a while since I had done something really new and hard. Because yes, my career can be challenging on some days and we're always reaching and growing for bigger things. But it had been a while in my life and in my career. It had been a while since I had that feeling of like stepping into a tornado. Like you're walking into something, you have no idea what it is, but the second you're in it, you're like, holy cow, what is going on? This is incredibly intense and overwhelming. What am I doing? And that's what happened with me creating this show. And it knocked me back into those feelings, those horrible negative feelings that I had in the very early days of my career, feeling overwhelmed, feeling like I had no idea what I was doing, being a crazy perfectionist and thinking that if I didn't immediately have the answer, then I would never be able to come up with the answer. And that if there was any flaw made along the way, that flaw was irrevocable and I couldn't go back and fix it. And if there was a mistake somewhere, it would be the most horrible thing. I went down a spiral. I went down a spiral and it took me a while to make the connection that I was spiraling down in the same way that I had when I was younger. 
And the spiral that I was finding myself falling down is the same spiral that I got stuck in and that I'm trying to use the show to help women with. And it brought something to the surface for me that was so clear. And I finally made the connection was that I wasn't really spiraling. I'm not really spiraling now. Nothing is wrong. Everything's okay. And even though in my early career, it felt like I was spiraling, I wasn't spiraling then either. Everything was also okay then. Really what was happening is my mind and my internal world was making it into something crazy. And yes, circumstances are real and we can get stressed and we can feel like there's a lot going on around us. But it became so clear to me how much my inner world was adding pain and drama and difficulty to everything around me and making something that, yeah, maybe is a challenge, making it way more difficult, making it negatively charged, and making me feel really crappy about myself. And a huge ingredient in all of this, in some of the obstacles I ran into creating this show, and some of the obstacles I ran into in my early career, a huge ingredient in all of it is my, uh, I don't want to say stupid because I don't want to insult it, but is my inner critic that just behaves in ways that are so counter to my interests and so counter to the direction I want to go in. And sometimes it's downright frustrating. Like it's so frustrating to me that I have this voice inside that is incredibly mean and incredibly cruel and just takes on a vicious tone. And it actually like really clicked for me in a new way during my interview with Meg Duffy, which is just a couple of episodes back when she talked about her inner voice. And when she talked about, you know, being in places of fear, and she talked about how her inner voice can just sound mean and cruel. Like when she said that, it really connected something for me. And it really helped me realize what was going on with my inner voice and just how mean and vicious it can sound. And I could see it so present in my current life. And I could see looking back at times that were really, really hard for me, I could see how present it was in those times also. And having an awareness of it now makes it better because I know so many of the bad feelings aren't true. But in the end of the day, I still really struggle with this inner critic and I still really struggle with this being so mean to myself. And the scary thing about it is sometimes I I don't realize it's happening. There are times when I'm still taking it at face value and really just punishing myself and just mentally putting myself down and telling myself that I'm just not good enough for anything. And as much awareness as I might have of it, it's still present. It clearly still flares up when the circumstances are right. And it's still very much a part of me and a part of life and a part of my existence. And I think it's present for so many people as well. And in my personal belief, I think as women, our inner critic can take on a certain flavor, a certain tone, a certain viciousness that I think is unique to us as women. And so a huge part of my mission in my own life and for this show, because I think that this struggle is such a universal one, a huge part of my mission and what I've been thinking about is how do I work with this inner critic? What am I supposed to do? How do I move forward now that I'm so aware of it, yet being aware of it doesn't make it go away? It's still very present. And what is it I'm supposed to do? And and I don't think it's about leaving it behind because it's like a shadow. It seems to be following me everywhere I go. And so I spent some time thinking about it. 
and I spend some time thinking about something particular about my inner critic that really disturbs me and was something that I was really trying to unpack and figure out, which is that the level of meanness that my inner critic can have, the viciousness in its tone, the way that I talk to myself internally in my head without even realizing it, that doesn't feel like me. I know I know that I'm a nice person and I'm a, a warm person and I'm an accepting person and a very loving person. So this cruelness and this streak of hate that lives in me that is often channeled towards myself, it doesn't feel like me. This doesn't feel inherent to me. This doesn't feel like part of my personality. And yet it is so present for me. What is that about? And the more that I have thought about it and the more that I have reflected on it, I have come to a conclusion for myself that I believe to be true. And that is that maybe that inner critic is mine. Maybe it does belong to me. And and I think it's natural for humans to be hard on ourselves. We're wired for survival. Our brains haven't adapted from times when survival was very, very different than it looks today. And so as a result, I I think we do look for possible threats. And I think we do self-monitor in that way as an attempt to keep ourselves safe. So I think that's real. And I think that's a part of me. But there's a part of my inner critic that I don't think is a part of me, that I don't think is inherent to me, that is not something that is part of who I am. And that is the hate and the contempt and the mean, evil tone and feelings that my inner voice takes on and that it projects onto me. That I don't believe is a part of me. I am not a hateful person. And I know we all have darkness and negativity inside. But there's, there's a part of my inner critic, there's a meanness there that is far more intense than anything that I would ever identify. And so I've come to the conclusion that, yes, being self-critical is part of who I am. And sometimes it's helpful. Sometimes it's helpful to look at what you're doing and ask how you can make it better. But the hate and the evilness and the self-flagellation does not belong to me. And I actually believe this to be true for myself. And I also believe this to be true for many other women. I think that hate is hate from the outside world that we have adopted and turned inwards. I hate saying this. Like, it brings me no pleasure to deliver this statement of what I believe to be true, which is that I think in many ways, our world shows hatred towards women, sometimes in very obvious ways, and sometimes in ways that are incredibly sneaky and hard to pick up on. But I think we live in a world that harbors hate for women. And as women growing up in this world with all of this hate and misogyny around us, I believe it is virtually impossible for us to not internalize some of that misogyny. And so my inner critic is not just a function of my brain trying to keep me safe and trying to make sure I don't do anything too risky or embarrass myself because that could threaten my survival. But I think it's also a function of the misogyny that exists in our culture and me growing up in this culture for almost 32 years now and taking in messages that aren't my own, but applying them to myself. And if you're a woman who's ever felt unhappy or dissatisfied with any aspect of your appearance, whether it's the shape of your body or your hair or your face or your skin or a hundred bajillion other things that, you know, we've been told need to look and be a certain way, that's an example of internalized misogyny, 
when we see anything about ourselves and we feel hatred and we look at ourselves in the mirror and we feel like a surge of negativity. And for some people, people like me, that can manifest sometimes more in a professional way or based on my accomplishments. But whatever it is, there are so many different crazy high standards that have been set for us. And the misogyny lies in the fact that we aren't valued unless we're able to meet those standards. So we expend a lot of energy trying. We inevitably fail because those standards are pretty much impossible to meet. And then we doubly hate ourselves because not only do we not meet the standard and not only do we not measure up and not live up to those ridiculous expectations that we've been told we need to meet, Not only do we not meet them, but we tried to meet them, we gave it our best shot, and we failed. So now we truly suck. And for me, that's what I think is going on with me. That's what I believe to be going on with a lot of women who struggle with self-confidence and self-esteem. This is not to say that men don't struggle. This is not to say that the world is only a difficult place for women. This is just to say that in my experience being a woman and the women I know and the life that I've lived and the experience that I've had, this is what I've concluded based on experience and thought and self-education. That is where I've landed, which means which means that now I'm faced with another problem. So I have this inner critic And I know that it's getting in the way and making me feel bad and that I don't like it. And I know it's infused with hatred and negativity that doesn't belong to me, that I've taken in from other people that want to keep women small or simply don't understand how to comfortably coexist with powerful women who don't necessarily fit into a very clearly prescribed female gender role. I'm stuck with this thing that doesn't belong to me and I want to undo it because I want to empower myself and I want to achieve as much as I possibly can in my career and my life. I want zero things holding me back. And of course, I don't want myself holding me back with my inner critic, but I especially don't want someone else's effing hate holding me back because that really bothers me, because that doesn't belong to me. And that's a legacy from a model that wants to keep women down. So that has to go. And so my question and my mission is, how do I get rid of that? How do I take this piece of me that is not part of me, that I didn't consent to be part of me, that I don't want involved in my life, and how do I dismantle it? And there are probably a lot of different answers, but here's where I'm landing on this. If this thing is rooted in contempt and this thing is rooted in hate, the only way that I've effectively known to dismantle hate is to address the fear that's beneath the hate. Because ultimately, hatefulness, in my opinion, is driven by fear. And when we're afraid in any way, we just want to be accepted and loved and we want to feel safe. And so in my opinion, the way that you dismantle hate is through love because that gives the acceptance and the connection that people are craving that causes them to be afraid and causes them to be hateful because they're scared they won't be loved. And so all of this as women, all of these questions around self-confident and empowerment and moving forward in spite of our inner critics, it all centers around self-love. And the thing is, like when I hear the term self-love, To be honest, I get a little bit like I feel a little ill when I hear it because it's been so commercialized and it's become this like Instagram bubble bath picture with crystals. If you've seen it, you know exactly like what kind of thing I'm talking about, but it's become that. 
And it's so not that for me. And in fact, for me, it has very little to do with some of those outward things. Although I, I think those things are great. I have no problem with them. But for me, love is, it's not the action. It's the intention behind the action. And a lot of it is just self-compassion and giving ourselves room to not be perfect and to mess up. Because we need that room to unleash our power and to unleash our gift. And now I know the solution. The solution is just to give myself space and compassion and to just not be so hard on myself. So great. Like I got to the bottom of it. I figured out what's going on with my inner critic. I figured out where the hate is coming from and why my inner critic is infused with hate. And I even think I figured out the thing that is required to dismantle the hate, which is self-compassion and essentially saying, I know you want me to hate myself. I know you want me to keep myself down. Here's the middle finger. I'm not going to do that. Okay. (laughs) The problem is, I don't know how. Like, I know I figured out all the steps. I boiled it down to what the problem is. I know in theory what the solution is, but Actually, loving oneself is so difficult. And if it was easy, I think we'd all just be doing it right now. And and everyone's trying to sell us quick solutions to do it, right? But it's not that easy. It's especially hard for me as someone who is highly perfectionistic, highly type A, highly achievement-oriented, for a person like me, oh, and highly cerebral, for a person like me to try to step back and say, all right, today's task is to love myself. I just, I feel like it's like asking a donkey to do like a really complicated math problem. Like it's it's not it's not going to happen or at least in the case of this, it's not going to happen right away. And then I then I take this line of thinking and I think like, okay, well, I'm constantly trying to find solutions to things and move things forward. So, can I hack this? How can I hack self-love? Like, why is this so hard for me to do? I know that this is the solution. I'm very confident that this is the answer. I can't do it. Why is it so hard and can I shortcut it? Can I find ways to cut corners so that I can show love to the hatred that has overtaken my inner critic so that when I'm in those moments of distress or low self-confidence or feeling very, very small, when I'm in those moments that self-compassion gives me room to move through the bad feelings so that I can step into the truer version of myself, which is the version that is strong and confident and powerful. How can I hack that process? And I've been able to come up with something that is working really well for me, and I'm really excited about it, and I want to share it with you. It's not groundbreaking, at least I don't think so. It's not revolutionary. Or, you know, maybe it is because no one's talking about it. I'm not hearing anyone talking about it, so it seems really obvious to me. But maybe it's not because we need to be talking about it more. And that is, if I'm having trouble showing myself love, why don't I simply try to strengthen my love muscle? The feeling of love, it's the same, whether it's directed towards myself or someone else. And it's much easier and actually very, very fun for me to find ways to direct love and acceptance and compassion towards other people than it is towards myself. So what I'll do is I'll treat this essentially like a marathon or like weight training, and I'm going to strengthen my love muscle But because it's so hard to do it on myself, I'm going to strengthen it by delivering love and acceptance and compassion to other women 
And in doing so, my love muscle will get stronger and I can leverage that love muscle to show myself compassion and help myself move through those times where I'm feeling small or I'm feeling difficult. And this is where things get really, really fun because I believe that as women, when we start to help each other, when we start to have each other's backs, and yes, when we start to love each other and love one another and perform acts of support and kindness that are rooted in that love, I believe this giant ball starts rolling and gaining momentum, and this is where things really start to change. And this might all sound really abstract and You might be wondering how this is actually useful and what this even looks like. And I know it all sounds weird, but there have been some times in my life where this has happened and it's really impacted me in a massive way and changed the course of how I felt about myself and changed the course of my life and my career. And so I wanted to share an example with you, a story about a time when another woman showed me love and it changed the way that I saw myself and it changed the way that I I was feeling. And it happened several years ago. It was at work one day and I was very, very scared because I had to give a presentation to some very, very senior people. I had to do it mostly on my own. It was my first time presenting to a group like this and I was really nervous and by the way, if you, if you struggle with presenting, listen to episode five. It'll really help you. But I was scared. I was really scared. I was nervous. And I went into the presentation and I sat there waiting until it was my turn to start speaking and to start, start the piece that I was presenting. And I remember being so nervous. I've, I've really struggled a lot with speaking up in front of big groups or groups of people who are very senior. And and that was like one of my first few times doing it. And so I was really, really scared. And I was like, it was getting closer and closer to when it was going to be my moment to speak. And I was just like trying to calm myself down and center myself and just just get to a place where I felt okay. And I was trying all different kinds of things in my head to just help me like get to a place where I was feeling good and not feeling so scared and and nervous and and so uncomfortable. And I was trying all these different thoughts and most of them weren't working. Most of them weren't really helping me feel better. And then I landed on one thought (laughs) that like just totally disarmed me and made me feel okay and really calmed me down right before my presentation. And I looked around the room and I I was looking at the people in the room and there was one woman there in particular who I noticed sitting there who I hadn't noticed before because I was so stuck in my own head. And she was a woman who, when I first joined my company, I was new to the company. I had moved to a new city. I didn't know anyone. When I had first joined, she immediately befriended me and offered to be a friend of mine, not just in the workplace, but out of the workplace since I don't know anyone and was just there for me and really just made an effort to make sure that as a new person, I didn't feel alone. And actually what what she did was something very similar to what another woman did for me back when I was in high school and I had joined a new high school. I was brand new. I didn't know anyone at the school. I had zero friends and I remember on one of my first days, another woman just came up 
and befriended me. And it was just it was an unconditional offer to be my friend. And it wasn't like, hey, do you want to be my friend? But it was like it was clear that this woman was like, oh, there's a new woman. Let me make sure she feels welcome. It was the same exact thing. I was the new person and she wanted to make me feel welcomed. And in that moment, the moment that she decided that she wanted to make me feel welcome in this new workplace, just like my really good friend did the same for me when I started my new high school, I felt loved. That is the only way that I can describe the feeling of being the new person, being the outsider, being the person who is in that moment alone and who is in that moment lonely, and having another woman come up to me without any kind of selfish motive, solely for the purpose of making me feel comfortable and accepted and part of something. That is my definition of love. And when I was in that room, waiting for my turn to present, I saw her there, and I looked at her, and I remembered that feeling, and I remembered her kindness. And in remembering that, I realized I realized I'm afraid, I'm afraid of talking and presenting in front of these people. I'm mostly afraid because of how, how I think they're going to perceive me. And I'm mostly afraid because I'm afraid they might not like me or they might think that I'm not smart enough or that I don't belong here. But then in looking at her, I realized I had proof, well, that's not the case with her. This is someone who has showed kindness to me, who wants to see me win, who wants to see me succeed, who wants to see me be happy, who has spent her time and effort and energy doing that when she barely even knows who I was. So she, and perhaps potentially some other people in this room also, aren't sitting on the sidelines waiting for me to fail. They're sitting there with positivity and love in their hearts waiting to see me succeed. And as soon as that thought crossed my mind, and as soon as I fully internalized and truly grasped that in this room filled with people, there was at least one woman in there that for all intents and purposes had my back, my anxiety and my fear dissipated. And it just completely shrunk away. And I did the presentation and then I got back to my desk and, you know, I, I was hoping that it went well. And I, I was super excited because when I got back to my desk, my manager had left me a note congratulating me on the presentation. And I was really excited and that made me feel really good because I was like, oh, wow, I guess I did do a good job here. And it was really gratifying. I later in the day went to go thank my manager. <laughs> and that unexpectedly turned into a, quite an awkward conversation because as I profusely thanked him for this super kind post-it note, uh, he let me know that it wasn't from him and he had no idea what I was talking about. So I had this like incredibly kind post-it note on my desk that I assumed was from my manager. And I stopped and I thought about it <laughs> and I realized that the note was from the same woman in question, the woman that I referenced, the one who made me feel okay and accepted on more than one occasion. And so when I talk about this idea of love, 
and strengthening our love muscle and showing love to other women, this is what I'm talking about. It's the unequivocal feeling that you get when someone does a gesture for you. They do something. There is no selfish motive behind it. There is no reason that they're doing it other than to make you feel good and accepted and okay. And that's what this woman had done for me. That's what the post-it represented. And honestly, there are a bunch of other stories that I could tell and things that I could talk about that illustrate this idea that when we open our hearts to other women and we do kind things for them and we support them and we have their backs and we tell them that we admire them and we help them feel good about themselves, we cause a ripple effect. We make ourselves feel good in the act of doing that. We make other women feel good in the act of doing that. And we just have no idea. We have absolutely no idea how far the impact of our kindness can go. I think when it comes to women's empowerment and when it comes to all of us building our confidence, feeling better about ourselves, going after our big, crazy career dreams, becoming leaders, hopefully becoming leaders of companies, when it comes to women up-leveling ourselves and our careers, I think that the power that we get when we band together and when we show each other support and love, the power is geometrically, exponentially so much bigger than when we just focus on ourselves. Because when we support other women, there is a ripple effect. And we don't always see it. We can't always see the extent to which our actions help someone else. And by helping that person, that person is strengthened to help someone else. We don't always see it, but I'm so convinced that it's there. And I feel like there is no reason ever, there is no logical reason that I can possibly think of not to do this. And I think that we should all be doing it more and more often and with more intention. And so my resolution for the future is to find ways to show support and love and kindness to more women. And I think that women's empowerment is great. And there are so many people making so many incredible efforts in this area. And I'm so grateful for those efforts. But I also think that if these efforts aren't infused with love, and support and a real genuine sense of having each other's backs, if those efforts are not supported by that, then I think we're always going to run into a ceiling of how much impact we can have on one another and how much we can push one another forward. Because every single one of us, every single one of us, in my opinion, is fighting this internalized hate and this internalized misogyny. And when we feel seen and accepted by another woman who is walking the path with us and dealing with her own demons and building her own confidence, when we get that validation from a fellow woman, it lifts us up so much higher than we are often able to lift ourselves. And so one of my goals is to lift up as many women as I possibly can. Because the things that I want for my life and my future <laughs> involve much more balance and involve much more acknowledgement and understanding of the power, the incredible power and intellect and intuition and impact that women have yet to fully bring to the professional world. And 
I want to bring that to as many women as I possibly can. And I think we all have the power to bring that to more women. It doesn't have to be on a huge scale. It doesn't have to be some grandiose thing. It could be a post-it on someone's desk, or it could be befriending the new person who doesn't know anyone. It could be the smallest, tiniest, simplest things. It could just be a note to someone who you really admire, just telling them you admire them with, with no expectation and no wanting for anything in return. It could look so many different ways. The only thing that really matters is that it feels authentic to you. But I feel like if we don't start doing these kinds of things on a bigger scale and lifting and supporting each other, we're leaving so much value on the table. And also, we're not strengthening our muscle for love. And we want to get that as strong as possible so that we can draw on that muscle when we need to support and lift ourselves. And so I believe it is hugely, hugely important for us to do this. And this is how I am dealing with my inner critic. I am dealing with it by strengthening that muscle and seeing how much I can empower and strengthen and lift women who are all around me. Because in doing so, I educate myself and I teach myself how to do that very same thing for me. And I know it's much harder to do for me. It is so hard to do for me. So I need as much practice as I can possibly get. So if you find yourself feeling stuck and you find yourself feeling like your confidence is low, you're being really hard on yourself, and you don't have an obvious way out of it, I would encourage you to think of this as a potential avenue forward and a potential avenue up. A lot of times we think because the problem is within us, the solution is within us too. So it's all about how we relate to ourselves and getting over our inner critic is all about loving ourselves. And that's true. But if you're having troubles doing that, I think the best next step is to look at how you're relating to and loving and showing compassion and support for the women around you and see if there are opportunities for you to go deeper there. And in going deeper, I guarantee you, you will start to feel the effect as well. And so So that's the direction that I've been going. That's what I've been exploring in my own life, in my career. It's a huge driving force and mission behind this show. And I hope that you'll try it out. And I hope that we, me and anyone who's listening to this show, I hope that we can all find ways to support and lift each other. And with that, I wanted to thank you for listening. If you tuned into this or any of the content on my first season, I wanted to thank you. (laughs) When I started the show, I was really scared that no one would listen. And by you listening, you showed me love and you showed me acceptance and you showed me that what I was doing was helpful and good and okay. You did just the thing that I've been talking about in this episode. So I wanted to thank you and I hope you enjoyed it and I hope you found it helpful. And I hope that in the next few days you can Find some places in your life to support the women around you. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. Like I said at the very beginning, this is the last episode in season one. And I'm working hard on season two. I'm so excited about it. It's been it's been a journey. Um, I've learned a lot and I just can't wait to keep going and bringing you more interviews with incredible women. I will be taking 
a short break, probably just a couple weeks off between season one and two, so that I have some time to prepare the content. But I will try to upload a bonus episode if I'm able to. And if I'm not, then I'll catch you in season two. Shouldn't be more than a couple of weeks. And I wanted to let you know a couple of things. The first thing is that I wanted to make it easier for anyone who's listening to the show to ask me questions or to meet other people that are listening to the show. So I created a Facebook group. It's called The Art of Speaking Up. And you can search it. Just search The Art of Speaking Up on Facebook. And there's a couple of questions you have to answer because I don't want any weirdos joining. It's a private group. So feel free to join us there. And I also wanted to ask you a favor and ask you if you could do something for me, which is just to leave a review for the show. It's really easy to do. If you listen on iTunes, you just search for the show. Even if you're subscribed, you still have to search for the show. When it comes up and you click on it, that will give you the screen to rate the show. And you can also tap at the very bottom. If you scroll to the bottom, you can tap write a review. It'll ask you for your star rating, and then it'll ask you to write and submit a review. And I wanted to ask if you'd be able to do that. And I put together a set of journaling prompts. I put together a little set of journaling prompts, kind of like an exercise, like a journaling flow, I would call it, of how to process your inner critic and how to figure out what are some concrete next steps you can take to start dismantling it. I put together these journal prompts. And if you write a review, I would love to send them to you in case you might find them helpful. I found this internal self-exploration around my inner critic to be really helpful and to really move me forward. And so it's something that I would love to support you in doing also. If you're interested in writing me a review, if you want to get your hands on the journaling prompts, just write your review in iTunes, screenshot it before you submit it because they don't appear instantly. Just screenshot the review before you submit it. You can write an honest review. I don't want to feel like I'm bribing people for reviews. I want to know what you really think. So write whatever you think. I'll be okay, whatever it is. But um, screenshot it and then just either email it to me or DM it to me on Instagram. I'll put the I'll put all of this in the show notes. So you don't have to remember anything. But the email is Jessica at theartofspeakingup.com. The Instagram is at theartofspeakingup and. I would love to connect with you, and I would love to share that with you. That would, that would bring me so much joy. And with that, that brings me to the very end of season one. And like I said in the beginning, it was a lot of work and a lot of hustle. And there were a lot of moments where it really tested me, tested my patience, tested my vulnerability. It tested a lot of things. And I now officially feel like I can call myself a podcaster which was not true several months ago. And uh, coming from a woman who had a really tough time speaking up at work and uh, who had some hangups about the sound of her voice, which I'll be going into in a future episode for sure. (laughs) But, you know, coming from someone who suffered from extreme shyness and self-consciousness is a pretty big deal. So I'm really happy. I'm really happy it's resonating with you, and I can't wait to bring you more, and I can't wait, hopefully, to be one of the many catalysts that turbocharges your career and the way you feel about yourself and your happiness and where you're able to go professionally. That is my goal. I hope you have a good next couple of weeks. I hope you're as excited as I am for what's ahead. 
and I'll be back soon. I promise. And in the meantime, I hope life and work and life (laughs) is going well. Catch you soon. Bye.